like blood from an open wound. Shut my eyes, I don't want to see. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. We do management, promotion, and booking. If you are in entertainment and I can help you in any way, please feel free to get in touch. Check out nhte.net and explore the site. Also, be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Toronto, my guest has been called one of the pioneers of female-fronted rock, having sold over a million records worldwide and won various awards, including Billboard and Juno. A singer-songwriter, she has toured and or worked with an impressive list that ranges from Aerosmith to Alice Cooper to Cheap Trick to Van Halen, Carlos Santana, and Joe Cocker. She was also a feature actor on the episodic TV show Sisters, and from 2003 to 2008 starred as one of the four judges on the hugely popular television series Canadian Idol. You have been hearing a song of hers entitled You Don't Have to Remind Me, it's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Sass Jordan. Go! Thank you. Whoa. Whoa. I have to keep up with all this. It sounds like, you know, whenever I hear that, that litany of fabulous stuff, I always think it's somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa, who are they talking about? I got to meet this. <laughs> Who's this guest going to be? This person sounds impressive. <laughs> So I love the line female fronted rock. That just that every time I hear that it makes me giggle. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. I mean it's such a weird expression, but boy, I've been hearing it for a long time. I didn't I didn't start hearing that until about maybe maybe ten or fifteen years ago. I think that that's when people started using that like term female fronted mm. rock. Okay, well, prepare to giggle because I, I do have a question prepared that I'm going to ask you about on that a little later. But for openers, before I get ahead of myself, let's have you tell the listeners about the song of yours that we were just playing called You Don't Have to Remind Me. Oh, God. Okay. Tell them about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's an old song. I mean, I wrote that song in 1990. One, I think, I think it came out in 1992, you know, like it's very hard for somebody of my advanced age to think back that far. (laughs) Good for you, Bruce. (laughs) Well, Sass, keep in mind that I have been fortunate to get listeners from 134 countries around the world. So I know that there's lots and lots of Sass Jordan fans who are tuning into this episode because they want to hear what you have to say. And they're going, oh, my gosh, really? He's asking her to talk about a song that's from the early 90s. But there are going to be people in other countries who are actually just being introduced to you for the first time. So for the guy listening in Guam. <laughs> I totally understand. And God bless. Boy, if there's somebody in Guam listening, I'd be so thrilled. I can't even stand it. I need their autograph. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, so that song, yeah, it was written for an album called Great Scene, which, um, interestingly enough, just just had its 25th birthday so we re-recorded it actually 
uh, and we called it Racine Revisited, um, which was a blast because it was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for the, you know, what are we going to do to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Racine? Which, because that's probably the biggest uh, selling record that I have made so far. So we had to do something. And a cake just wasn't going to cut it. (laughs) No pun intended, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really. So anyways, that song was me trying for the... I had been hanging out with this guy who was from the South, from Memphis, and he was a, uh, a producer, a record producer, and he had been talking to me about um, Southern phrasing, you know, the way mm. like, you phrase something in a song. And, and I had never actually noticed or thought about it until he started talking to me about it. And once he did, I started hearing it everywhere. Like I could hear it in everybody's, on everybody's records. Wow. Uh, you know, obviously Southern singers. And I, it was me trying to explore that phrasing. And it happened so quickly. I was writing the song with the guy that produced my record, Rick Mayer. He produced Racine. Um, we were at Sunset Sound in Los Angeles and we were writing for Racine and he started those, he started playing the chords to that song and I instantly started singing the first, I've been sitting here all night and it just came out like within half an hour we had the song written. It's, you know, wow. that all happens I find with the songs that I like the best and that seem to do the best. They, they come out really quickly. Mind you, I don't usually spend more than an hour or two on any song, uh, writing a song. Uh, okay. Anyway, yeah. I'm glad that you said that, though, because I think that a lot of, let's just say, listeners, in other words, people who aren't in the music business, I think a lot of people would hear a statement like that and say, oh, that's the exact opposite of what I think. I would I would assume that if a songwriter cranks up Mountain 30 minutes, that it ends up being a dud because they only put 30 minutes of work into it. So I like that you brought that out to show people that, no, in fact, it probably is a gem. It's usually the other way around because when you don't, when you don't think, when you don't analyze and you just are, yeah, do you see what I'm saying? There's a huge difference. Trying or being, that's the difference. Yeah. So yeah. And you know, when when you when you when you work days and days or months and years, you know what though, Bruce, I have to say it really is dependent on the individual and how they work. Um, for me, it just comes straight through the muse and it comes out very quickly. Or I don't like it. If I have to spend hours on it, I'm not going to like it. I just mm. not because it's just like you know, pain in the ass. But there are people like Jackson Brown, who's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. And I know that he would take weeks on a song. So it doesn't, it, it, it's, it's, it's so, um, it's so unique to the individual. You know, you really can't make a blanket statement about anything for anyone really. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. I like that because it proves that there's a different formula for everyone. So if someone tells you, Oh, she's wrong. She said 30 minutes. No, she's wrong. The proper answer is six hours. It's like, no, it could be six days. It could be six weeks. So it's just from it one song order to another. Minutes. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the other thing is, is that a, a, a single individual could also go from one style to another style. 
as far as like some songs took them days, some songs took them six minutes. True, you know? true. Well, let's have yeah. you talk about the this album reissue, so to speak, the, of, of Racine, because from a business standpoint, I like what I read about why and how you did it. Fill the listeners in on, on what I'm referring to, especially since we have listeners to the show each week who are aspiring performers looking to learn about the business from me and my guests, because I think a lot of average listeners who are not aspiring performers go, well, what do you mean, like, how and why she did it? She already said it was the 25th anniversary, but you didn't just say, oh, we're putting it back out, or oh, we're putting it out, and it's been, you know, remixed, or whatever. like, you actually put work into it. Oh, I, I sure did, because it was, it, you know, it's the kind of thing that everybody does this in this day and age, I suppose, because most of my contemporaries have been around the same incredibly long time. You know, the few of us that have managed to continue through these crazy, you know, this, this crazy wild music business shifting, which it's been doing since, you know, the late 80s, really, or actually even earlier, it's it's a it's something that everybody does. They'll do oh we got to do something for the anniversary of whatever huge record it was. Yep. And um, often what they'll do is they'll remaster it, or and they may put a couple of new songs on it, or a couple of alternative versions of the songs that are on it. Yep. Um, but nobody, as far as I know, I'm sure there are, but as far as I know, there aren't. I can't think of anyone who actually re-recorded the album in its entirety. So um, the reason we did it was because when I had originally recorded it in 1991, we wanted to, uh, you know, to honor the, the 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 roots of the stuff that I was listening to that had gotten me to that point so far. So like, you know, uh, the faces and music like that, the Rolling Stones, the faces, humble pie, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I'm not, and so here it is now it's 2017 and I'm like, well, what the hell can I do to, to make this not boring, like not be the exact same thing. And I thought, well, instead of bringing it up to date and making it sound like now it's 2017, this is how the record's been weathered, and da, da, da. why don't we jump back into the past and say, uh, what would this record have sounded like if it had been recorded the way I had originally envisioned doing it, which would have been in the mid to late 70s? Yes, <laughs> yes. I love that. What? What can we do to make it sound as if we were recording it in the mid to late 70s? Well, first of all, obviously you can't totally go analog because, I mean, it just doesn't work. It's it's too much. It's just too expensive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we did it so we we got the whole band together, rehearsed the songs, put put us all in one room, and recorded it live off the floor. That's we amazing. We lived together at the studio you know, we lived together for um, about eight days at the studio, and we just worked all day long, every day, and just because my favorite records, Bruce, were um, in, from the seventies. The records that I loved were like the Almond Brothers, Bonnie Raitt, all these, the band, like music from Big Pink, and they would live together in, you know, like an old farmhouse or an old, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The- the idea of 
of everybody together just creating, you know, for months. And, you know, some of the most seminal records of my life came from situations like that. So I wanted to do something the closest I could approximate in 2017 to what really inspired me and what I adored, you know, when I was growing up listening to this stuff. Yeah, and I love that you actually got together and re-recorded it. You didn't, like you said, you didn't do what everyone does, which is, oh, I guess we have to put out a 25th anniversary edition, so let's use the latest equipment and technology that we didn't have 25 years ago, and let's really spin this thing up digitally and make it sound as audio-perfect as we can. And you're, and, and you're saying, no, 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 we're not just reissuing the same thing and saying we digitize the heck out of it. We're actually going to perform the songs. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, it was it was a blast. It was a blast. We had an amazing time. I'm really, really happy with the way it turned out. We used no click tracks, no auto tune, none of that stuff. You know, it's like straight up. And a couple of the songs on it, on Racine Revisited, are um, slightly different arrangements than the original version because I've been playing the songs live for 25 years and the newer arrangements actually work better for the songs. Uh, You know, when you write a song and you record it before you've ever played it live, you don't really know how it's going to work live. Yeah. Yeah, so so, and over the 25 years that I've been playing these songs live, things have shifted a bit and changed and they, they adapted better to a live situation. So that's, those are the versions that I recorded. Yeah, I love it. And, and, you know, I've, I've made no secret on this show over the years doing it, that my all time favorite band is Rush. And I've always admired that, you know, Rush would do their songs with an eye towards, well, wait a minute, are we going to be able to perform the song live? But you can only have so much foresight and it's, you know, it's it's responsible exactly. to do that. But at the same time, like you just said, having all those tools in the studio and all that control and all those redos <laughs> is one thing. But getting out yep. on stage and and rehearsing for the first show and going, oh, wait a minute, I'm not really sure we can pull yep. that off. You know, you make some you make some slight changes that, mind you, might be so slight that the audience doesn't really know it. But you and the other band members go, oh, thank right. goodness. That's a good change. Exactly, exactly. And uh, I, I think the songs, the, the, the changes, of course, I think are, they're better. The, the ones that we did, they're just better. Like one, it, it, it's, it's um, a faster tempo. I thought it was a bit draggy on the record, the original record. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it, was, it was really, really fun, and it was really worth it. And, and the fans really, really embraced it. So I'm like, awesome. couldn't be happy. Awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, moving on, I, I I usually don't ask real hard-hitting questions, and, and, and maybe that's the wrong label, actually. But but while we're sort of in this category, tell me, it, it's, this is especially for those same listeners that I just referred to that listen to learn from, from me and my guests. What is it that has kept you going all these years? How have you kept the passion alive? Meaning, what do you feel has been a key to not getting burned out such that you have been able to sustain such a long career? Because I think it's helpful for up-and-comers to hear about that side of the music business. Wow. So that is not a short answer. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> if this was television, people would be like, can we get a sound bite, please? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is not. Sound bites are definitely not my forte. <laughs> I like to blab and blab and blab. And that's why I do a long-form show. That's why this is not a, a 15 or 20-minute show every week, because I, I want the guests to be able to elaborate when they feel they need to and not speak in sound bites. Right. Okay, so the reason I, first of all, I, you know, I, 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 I adore music. So that's one thing. That's, I think that's the, the heart of the whole thing. Music is a language. It it crosses over borders. It crosses over, you know, uh, walls around hearts. It crosses it crosses everything. It's a universal language. So it it is a um, a calling card that allows you to experience things that you perhaps would not be able to mm. if you weren't music using music, you know. Um, it is an endless playground as far as hybrids and being able to, you know, mix this with that, with this, with that. I, I, it, it also affords me the opportunity to communicate with large groups of people at the same time and to find a similarity of purpose and to not feel alone because I think really that's why I wanted to do this in the very first place, besides the fact that I loved music, but to actually make it a, um, a lifelong uh, passion that I, that I even make a living from was the, the urge and the desire and the intention to let others know that they are never alone in mm. their feelings. You're never alone. It was exactly what got me through being, um, through the teenage years, through my adolescence, et cetera, was listening to my favorite artists and musicians and realizing, wow, I'm not the only one that feels like this. And then the feeling of going, I need to, to share this with even more people so that they know that they're not the only one that feels like wow. that. You know, wow. that, that's been a very big thing for me. Yeah, that's um, powerful. And also, it is, and, and and the thing with music is that it, 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 it encompasses so much. It's not even just music. Because of music, I get the opportunity to talk like I'm doing now, you know, and, and share uh, my ideas, my, my perceptions of things. Because of music, I've gotten to meet the most fantastic, extraordinary array or cast of characters. It's gotten me into television. It's gotten me into film. Even though I've never had any uh, particular ambition to do to be involved in either of those mm. things, it's photography, fashion, um, um, uh, books. You know, oh God, it's amazing. Just, it's such a huge, yeah, it's such a huge pool that that music leads you to. So, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I like the one that you said about. The conversations, and that's not self-serving. I say it because if all you did was have these thoughts and say, well, at best, I can write a song about it, 
maybe the songs would get out. Maybe the people would interpret them the way that you want them to, but there's too many maybes in what I just said. And so by being able to be interviewed and go around and talk to people, perform, introduce your songs, tell, talk what they're about, now you actually get to communicate with a huge audience that if you just sat at home, recorded, released them, and never left the house, you wouldn't be able to really have that kind of meaningful dialogue. So that's that that one really impacted me, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sass, it's been a good start to 2018. You've performed in Quebec, in Ontario, in Alberta, and wow, even one show in Norway? How, how does that yeah. happen? That's a long way to go for just one show. Yeah, I know, but um, I was in Italy, so just hopping over to Norway wasn't that far, you know, it was easier. But um, I, I, I have, uh, I play in uh, the Netherlands, and around there a fair amount in the past couple of years. So I have an agent there and I love, and so it was through her. I think it was through her. Yeah. And now I've got somebody who's, because that show we did in Norway, now they're, he's like, well, you got to come over here for Sweden rocks and this. And so we're going to, you know, it's great because every time you do something, you make, you make, a wider circle of connections, et cetera. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And for those of you who listen regularly, thank you. And number two, no, I didn't tell her to say that because you know that that's something that I preach about all the time, how important it is that you can never have too many contacts. So well said, Sass. Oh, I didn't even know that. You didn't. <laughs> well, you have to have that, especially in a business like this. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's, that's the only way you're ever going to survive or get out there. Yep, yep. Listeners, I have to take a quick second to thank everyone who listens and for helping now hear this entertainment land in the top 10 on iTunes last week, Monday. I'm really grateful for that. And I'm also thankful for the continued support of this show by Tascam. You might have seen a picture on the Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account last week of some new stuff that I got, the Tascam THMX2 headphones, which I'm actually wearing right now, a couple new microphones, the TM60s, which I will use when I do on-location interviews. I'm holding all of those in the picture that I just mentioned. Of course, right now I'm speaking into the TM280 mic, and I'm using the Mini Studio Creator as my audio interface. Pretty much all of this stuff can be used for recording music, too. Check out these things and lots of other audio solutions at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Sass, I will be giving out some of your upcoming dates in just a little bit here, but one in particular that I want to pull from is that on July 6th, you're going to be on a bill with Melissa Etheridge, among others. It has been a while since we talked about this with a guest on NHTE. For the benefit of the aspiring performers who hear that, talk about how much interaction does or does not go on between different acts when there are multiple performers at a festival. And, and then I guess, depending on your answer, what advice do you have for performers in terms of trying to get a little face time with an accomplished act, but without overstepping your bounds? Uh, well, so the thing, okay, it's kind of, it's difficult to answer. There is no one way. That's the thing. It's So it really depends on the day. Uh-huh. It depends on the act. And it depends, you know, it depends on so many things. It depends on the timing, you know. Mm. So, like, for example, Melissa Etheridge and I have played together before, and uh, we go a long way back, uh, although I haven't seen her in a thousand years. But um, 
it depends on, you know, if the act, are they even on site yet before you go on? Or okay. are they on, you know, do you see directly after your show? And, but as far as getting FaceTime with an act that you love, um, again, that's really tricky to answer because you might run across them, you know, just going to the bathroom or something. You, know, you might run across, you know, it depends on where the dressing rooms are and how segregated they are from each other and, and whether or not that act is high and mighty or they're, you know, there's a whole, it, 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 it depends on the personalities. And also, uh, I, mainly I think it's timing. It's really all about timing. You know, you don't know if somebody's sick. You don't know if somebody's, you know, they can be doing interviews. They can be doing meet and greets. They wow. Can, uh, wow. You know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. And it and it could be it sounds like you're saying that it could be something as simple as timing that if there's five acts and you're and you're performing first and you really are interested in being the headliner, well they're gonna be fifth. So you're coming off stage finishing your show. I'm talking about a fictitious listener right now, not not about Sass Jordan. So right. fictitious listener comes off his or her band just finished playing and now the headliner goes on three and a half hours later. Well, I don't like you said the, the headliner might not even be there yet at the venue. Oh, gen- generally they're not. Um, I know that as being the headliner <laughs> many times, like tomorrow night. I get, I don't even my show doesn't even start till eleven p.m. I'm not wow. you know I'm not showing up until I I have to. Anyways, the 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 point is that you really have to play it by ear. And the best thing you possibly do is to be respectful and, you know, not not be insistent or annoying. Just, you know, do your job, be respectful, and generally you will get exactly that back, you know. And, and I think it's really, really a good thing for people to be able to say a couple of words to people they admire or have, you know, get to ask them a question. I think that's a wonderful thing. If there's a band opening for me and I had an opportunity to um, to see them, because often that doesn't that's not the case. I don't see them playing, you know. But if I've had an opportunity to see them and I thought they were terrific, I'll tr- I will make a point to try and say hi to them, you know. And oftentimes people will act, like a band, a support act will ask like my tour manager if they can do a, a photo op or what have you, and I'm always. Uh, open to that assuming i've got the the timing is right you know i have no problem yeah Yeah, what you don't want to do is extend your hand and say hi sass we're bruce and the bruisers we were the opening act did you see us what did you think don't say that because you're just setting yourself up for well i actually just got here so no you know and now it's like come on what do you think you know you played four hours ago what do you think that's that's how you want to make an, an initial good impression on me is saying we played first. What did you think? Did you hear us? But I wouldn't mind. I mean, I don't mind if somebody says that, but the truth, no? I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm sorry. I didn't get, I didn't get a chance to catch it, you know, but I don't mind ah. if somebody says something at all. No. Okay. Okay. But, so it's, it's very, it's, it, it's very dependent on the circumstances. Just, just like, like anything, you know, yeah, but yeah. the fact okay. that I, I've been around this long, it, I know so many people, uh, most of these bigger acts, other than, of course, I'm talking about the classic rock acts. Yep, I mean, yep. I've played with most of them. I know, I know most of them. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's usually like 
old home week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that festival on July 6th that I'm talking about is going to be at a park. I always like to get insights from guests on performing outdoors versus an inside venue. Do you have a preference? No, I don't. It really depends. Again, I'm sorry. Listen, I keep saying I keep saying the same thing. But besides, again, it depends. It depends on production, what the stage is like, what the sound is like. Um, is it nice weather? Is it shit weather? You know what I mean? True. Um, so it, it 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 depends on the night. It depends on the the show itself, the particular show. You know, and it, the biggest difference is an audience. If an audience is into it and enjoying themselves as much as I am, because I always enjoy myself, that is a mandate. That's half the reason <laughs> I do what I do, is to have fun. And I love my bands. I, I, I have, you know, I have a usual lineup, but sometimes we have to shift them around because be, somebody will be playing with somebody else. But, you know, we have an amazing time and, 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 Having people there just makes it more amazing, especially when they get into it. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is... I wrote about this in the blog section of NHTE.net, but, as you'll tell when you read it, felt so strongly about it that I needed to say it here, too. When you are being interviewed, don't give answers that are so long that the listener is going to tune out. I was listening to a podcast that I was going to be interviewed on. I wanted to hear the format, the style, the flow, and this guest just lost me because he went on too long. Come up for air, have some healthy banter, and let the host navigate the conversation so that you get the opportunity to cover multiple facets of what you're doing rather than just ramming home one point incessantly and turning people off in the process. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Sass, is there such a thing as a typical day for you in 2018? Does music take up all your time, or are you able to make a little time away from it for other projects? I know you told me before we started recording about a, a wine that you're working on, but is that an exception to the rule, or does music take up all your time? Uh, no, no, no. Music definitely does not take up all my time. I mean, it's always there. I like to do so many things, though. Awesome. You know, like I love writing, and I'm making, yes, I'm making this wine, Um with a winery in Niagara. I, when I say I'm making wine, I don't mean like at the shop on the corner where you can go make your own wine. I mean like a line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a line of wine with a Niagara winery. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> What a cool job that is. Imagine, hey, imagine that your job is you have to drink for a living. <laughs> <laughs> How it doesn't get better than that, Jamie. <laughs> 
if you didn't drink, you can't do that job. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, it's a blast. I'm having a really, really wonderful time with that. The winemaker is such a genius and the most wonderful human being. So, again, the energy of the wine that we're creating together is affected by the people that are making it. So it's going to be an uplifting, fabulous wine. Um, actually, there's a white and a red, so it's not just one. <laughs> And, uh, oh, there's a whole bunch of other projects that I'm involved in, but I'm not ready to talk about it yet because every time I talk about a project before it's ready to go, okay. what happened? Okay. okay, so then we'll just yeah. leave it at the fact that, no, there is not a typical day in the life of Sass Jordan no. in 2018. <laughs> Let's get back to a topic we started to allude to before. In, in the intro, I had said that you've been referred to as one of the pioneers of female-fronted rock do you feel that enough others are helping carry the torch these days for female-fronted rock? <laughs> any any names come to mind? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't think that female-fronted rock is a particularly lucrative branch of music. I would not recommend it unless you were absolutely a thousand percent passionate about this, it. This is good. This is good. Why? Why not? Why not? This is good. Um, uh, if you look back through the ages, you will see that uh, there are not a huge amount of very successful female-fronted rock bands. And there's a reason for that. Rock music is not necessarily uh, a particularly feminine form of rebellion. Like, hip-hop is more... You know that it, that lends itself more to female rebellion. I find it's certainly now, um, or you know, like uh, R and B artists. I don't know. I can't call it R and B. I didn't like Erica Badu and those. You know what I mean? Like those kind of artists who, where there's this, there's something more feminine about it. Uh, I don't know. I think people find it intimidating in a way like i don't i don't think guys relate to it necessarily that strongly when it's a female singing rock i mean either they want to um you know either they find the person attractive physically or they'd rather hear a dude screaming it out (laughs) Uh well what about the girl who's listening right now that says you know, I'm I'm a real strong female, and I want to prove Sass Jordan wrong. I do want to be a, a, a torch carrier for female-fronted rock. Are you, are you saying, Bruce, what's the matter with you? Haven't you been listening to a thing I just said? Or do you tell that girl, rock on, girl, do your thing? I would tell everybody everywhere to rock on and to do their thing. <laughs> I would never listen to somebody else's idea of it. If you, you know what you want. You go do what you want, and that's that. And I will champion you a hundred percent if you if I think you're good at it. If I don't think you're good at it, then I don't really don't care. There you go. There you go. And and that's what I was yeah. hoping that you were going to say because we all know. Let you know. Let's just be honest here because that's more people need to be honest in the music business. There are people out there, in every or, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. But there are people <laughs> out there. My point is that you know, who think I'm going to prove her wrong and they're really not that good. And someone needs to say, you know what, if you would switch genres, you would probably be really good at insert genre here, but not at rock. Yeah, you may or you may not. That's it. The other thing, though, Bruce, the thing to remember is that music 
like any art is always subject it's subjective and it, 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 it it's it's personal opinion and personal preference and actually it's not even just like an art anything anything you know do you like cheerios or do you like rice krispies you know it, it, it's entirely uh it's up to the individual what what they like you know i'll never ever say to you oh my god i can't believe you like that that's the worst fucking crap i ever heard in my life <laughs> i'll say wow i don't like it but i, I think it's great that you do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this, I do not understand anybody taking the time to start whining and complaining or trolling about something they don't like. If you don't like it, don't pay attention to it. Bottom line, that's it. If you pay attention to it, it's only going to get bigger in your life. Anything you put your attention on is going to get more of, bad or good, period. So I suggest <laughs> that you don't waste your time talking about on like a YouTube thing going, oh, my God, this is the worst shit I ever thought. And it's like, what? You know, <laughs> what, that's saying more about you than anything else. There you go. There you go. Right. Well said. Yes. Yep. I am joined today by singer-songwriter Sass Jordan calling in from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Visit her official website at sassjordan.com, spelled just like it sounds. Although we, of course, will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And yes, Sass is very present on social media. You can find her on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. There are links to all of those on her website. Her music is streaming on Spotify, but I always say the best way to support her is to purchase her music either through online music retailers or directly from her through her website. Look for Sass this summer, July 1st in British Columbia, July 6th at the festival we talked about in Thunder Bay, Ontario, August 11th in Newfoundland, and the next night in Kitchener, Ontario. Details on all of those at sassjordan.com. I would love for you to join me and the online community that is our Facebook group for this show. It's called NHTE Listeners, and you can either search for that or just click the button at nhte.net that says join our Facebook group. There are fans, musicians, and even a couple past guests from this show in there. Come on in and chat it up. Sass, speaking of people purchasing your music through your website, I love that you put on the Racine reissue on vinyl. There's even a purple vinyl version I'm thinking yeah. <laughs> of episode 181 of this show when songwriter, producer, and musician Jerry Jean did a deep dive into putting out his latest release on vinyl. Did you do so because of the resurgence in vinyl that we're starting to see, or, or did you do it as a callback to 1992 when vinyl hadn't fully given way to CDs and then digital? Or, or maybe you did it for both reasons. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. It was really both. And the fact, you know, I, I mean, I grew up with vinyl. And that, you know, you are always hugely sentimentally attached to stuff that you loved when you were growing up, you know. So, it, I just, vinyl, I love, I love vinyl. I'm a, I'm a freak. And uh, the purple vinyl version? That was Peter, that was my manager's idea. I'm like, that sounds cool. I like the color purple. <laughs> <laughs> It's different. It's different. That that should get people's attention, in my humble opinion. <laughs> well, if not, who cares? I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Getting back to the earlier question about the torch being carried for female-fronted rock, I'm tempted to ask you if you know of Rose Cora Perry. She was my guest on 185, episode 185 of the show. I, I think the bigger question, though, is how do you keep up with music these days in terms of learning about other artists who are coming onto the scene and making a name for themselves? What resources do you like to use for that? Yeah, well, I, I have to admit that I'm not very, I'm not very good at keeping up with stuff that's coming out. Um, and I have very eclectic tastes. So, like, one of my main resources for finding out about stuff that I really like is my daughter. Hmm. <laughs> Don't I sound like an old fart? <laughs> but but um, it, it, I would say that where I would be most likely to find something new would be YouTube, probably. Yeah. Uh, something I that I already know. I can't. Yeah, it's usually YouTube or word of mouth. Somebody mm -hmm. says something to me. Um, I I like to I always like to tweet about anything that I hear of that I love that's new that I love. I love to support my friends, my musician friends, if I can, you know, in, in any way that I can. I'm I'm I was I find myself to be sort of unusual in that way. <laughs> I don't see a lot of I don't hear a lot of other people doing that. And that's not to say that they don't. It's to say that I don't see it a lot. That's mm -hmm, all. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I'm huge on, I love the idea of us all being like a family and, you know, mutually supportive of each other. I really like that. No, it does happen. Of course it happens, you know. But are you someone who, because of who you are, that all kinds of people do say, oh, sass, you got to check out artist XYZ, and it just becomes too overwhelming? Or is it actually not as often as you think, Bruce? Uh, it, it depends who's saying it. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? Because I'm not, you know, throughout my, throughout this incredibly long journey that I've been on in it, I have been handed and given so much shit, I can't even begin to tell you. So uh, if you're going to hand me your CD, I'm pretty much not going to listen to it. I can tell you, I just, I'm like, first of all, it's a pain. I can't, I don't have CD player except for in the car at this point. You know, it's like, and so I'm just, the chances of me listening to it are very, very slim. I'm not, unless you're a personal friend of mine that I know, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's tricky because what if it sucks and I have to say, oh, I don't really like him. It's so hard. It's so difficult. But, um, yeah, so finding new music or maybe something I read somewhere. Like I'll see something somewhere that I'll mention that sounds like blah, 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 blah. And then I'll go, oh, really? It does? Oh, let me check that out, you know? Gotcha. And then I'll go to YouTube. Always gotcha. to YouTube, yeah. Like my tour manager in the Netherlands on my last tour, he is, he's the most bizarre, wild European taste. And he turned me out of this band um, from Belgium called Black Flower. And they're completely, uh, they're completely, they're uh, instrumental. And they play this kind of Ethiopian jazz. It's the weirdest stuff you've ever heard in your life. Wow. Um, <sighs> It's, but it's wicked cool. I really like it. I mean, I, like I like it 
you know, a couple of songs. I can't, you know, listen to it for hours on end. And, uh, like, I certainly also could not listen to me for hours on end. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to die soon. I need to get this off. <laughs> I like music. I, I tend to listen to a lot of music that is is what is called world music. Falls yep. under the category yep. of world music. I love Latin-type music. I love Brazilian jazz music. I love, um, I really love, like, I don't know, you've probably never heard of these artists, although they're starting to make a name for themselves, like somebody like a Tom Mish or uh, or French Kiwi Juice, FKJ. I love that guy. I love, it's, it's, I, I don't even know what the hell it's called. It's like, like, electro, I don't know what the genre is called. I don't even know. EDM, but it's not EDM. Hmm. You know, it's not real EDM. It's not like dance music. It's just laid back. It's quiet. Like you could actually play this stuff while you're eating dinner and not get annoyed. Oh. Like you don't want to throw your soup at the person next to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, there is a lesson in all this for, for those listeners who are aspiring performers. And I, I don't mind telling you listeners that I respect people like SAS far too much. And I also have a brand and a reputation to protect. And when people tell me, would you give my music to so-and-so, it has to be absolutely out of this world because my my name, my company's reputation is at stake, and so is my relationship with the person that you're asking me to hand it to. And I also, just quite frankly, I don't want to abuse those relationships and let the Sass Jordans of the world, the, the guests who are on my show, the people that I have relationship with in the music business, I want them to just say, you know what, Bruce is a good guy. Yes, he's in the music business, but we just flat out get along as human beings. I don't want to be known as, oh, every time he calls me, every time he texts me, every time he emails me, he's trying to push someone's yeah. music on me. So you listeners out there who are aspiring performers, I want you to believe in yourselves, but you also have to remember that if you're asking someone to give your music to someone else, that person may very well, I hope, take the same approach that I do, where it's just got to be absolutely yes. I, I absolutely would love to do it when the time is right. But don't be surprised if they say, you know what, I, I just can't. Exactly. Thank the you, thing, thank I, you, you know, for letting me get on my soapbox, Sass. <laughs> oh, no, but I, uh, you're talking, you, you, you're, you're preaching to the choir over here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I completely know. But the thing is, is the, I'll, if somebody does that to me, I say, well, give it to me, and I'll give it a cursory listen. And if for some reason it really stands out to me, then I'll go, then maybe I'll listen to it more, and right. then I'll decide whether or not I want to, you know, uh, um, Move it down the line. On. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but I mean, I think anybody in these positions, they, you start to figure it out pretty quickly. You know what I mean? But when, and I, but I understand the, the, you know, the enthusiasm and the excitement and the feeling that what you're doing is brilliant. You know, I mean, I get it, and you've got to believe that. Exactly. You know, as a, as an artist, and you know, you have to believe that what you're doing is fabulous, and it is. You know, even if it's only you, <laughs> it's something you need to do and you need to get, you know. So if you're determined and you truly feel that you have something that you got to get out there, you will find a way. 
If you're focused on that all day long, every day, the universe will conspire to bring the right people into your path. I know that sounds like, you know, woo-woo, you know, motivational speaker stuff, but I mean, that is the only way I see things happening. Like attracts like. The energy that you're putting out will attract uh, equal energy, you know? So, and I mean, like, how the hell did I do it? Well, first of all, it was, you know, I started doing this in the 70s. It was a different world, just like it was a different world in the 90s, <laughs> you know. But I never thought about anything else from the moment I woke up in the morning till I went to bed at night. Wow. Every single day, wow. all I thought about, you know. And I, who the hell was I? Some kid in Montreal. <laughs> I, was no, I didn't know anybody in the music business. Nothing. Zero. One day... I was walking along the street, coming home from school, and I passed a park where they were doing, they were having a baseball game. And the guy playing in the baseball game was Montreal's biggest music promoter at the time, Donald K. Donald. And I saw him, and I went, oh, my God, that's Donald K. Donald. One day, that guy is going to know who I am. Wow. He ended up managing me at one point. You know what I mean? Like, he became one of my biggest, biggest champions of all time, Donald. But I had no idea at that moment what the actual trajectory from me feeling like one day this guy's going to know who I am to it actually happening. I had no idea how that was going to happen. Well, as you said, the universe conspired such that you stated a positive intention. You thought about it morning, noon, and night. And lo and behold, it didn't happen the next day. You didn't run out on the field during the baseball game, but you, you paid your dues. And, and lo and behold, fast forward to, he eventually worked with you. That's exactly right. Intensely, yes. A lot. Yeah. Now I want you to, now I want you to be contemplative and reflect and say, you know, Bruce, when I think about those nights in Montreal... Okay, I had to make a Gino <laughs> Vanelli reference. Sorry. Uh, Sass, unfortunately, we are about out of time, but I do want to give you a chance to talk about your work with Tom Peterson's foundation, Rock Your Speech. Oh, my God. Tom, oh, my God. I lo- isn't that, We haven't actually done any of the work. We would, like, we... It just... We haven't been in the same place at the same time long. Oh, but it is a brilliant foundation. Brilliant. He's an incredible person. Him and his wife, Allison, and their kids... Liam, who's who, who is on the autism spectrum. Yeah, t- tell the listeners what Rock Your Speech is. Oh, it's a it's it's a foundation that they that Tom Peterson is a bass player from Cheap Trick, and his wife Allison and their daughter Lila, um, and their son Liam. Uh, they created it because they discovered that that Liam, who was pretty much nonverbal, when they started playing these super simple songs that Tom and Lila wrote or Tom wrote with us, uh, some other people as well. Um, you know, like, how are you? How are you? Like songs, super simple songs that Liam was able to sing along with the songs, even though he couldn't speak per se. And then he started to, to, to speak in very small sentences. It, it was, it was just absolutely incredible. It was a way to get through, um, to Liam, you know, he lives in a different world, you know, you know, mm. because of this uh, this condition, and 
it was a way to get through to him. Once again, music is the savior. Music. Music is is it's the most powerful thing. Also, when you teach music in schools to children, it activates a part of the brain that you can use in in any kind of career. Like even if you wanted to be a lawyer, if that part of your brain has been used by learning music, it makes you a better lawyer, it makes you a better doctor, it makes you a better whatever. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. This is a fascinating thing. Yeah. I, I know we've talked about it before in the show. I think I think it is said that the schools that have music programs that their students end up doing better in, and I'm probably wrong in this, but I, for some reason I want to say in math and science. No, but you're right. You're not wrong. Okay. You're right. you're yeah, I think right. I think we talked about it. Episode 138, my, gla- uh, my, my, glast. <laughs> my guest was Glenn Schubert, who is the founder of Instruments of Change, and I believe we talked about it on that episode, so I don't want to say if you don't believe me because you have no reason to doubt Sass and I, but go back and listen to that interview with, with Glenn, and, and, and that's what... That's what has been proven by by research that uh, that math and science that the students do better if there's a music program in their school. Yes, I have a question for you, Bruce. Quickly before we go, do you have a photographic memory? I don't know. I I do have a a trivial mind that that I have this bizarre Rolodex in my mind of all the guests who've been That's on my show okay. and being able to pull out I Glenn Schubert one thirty eight. Yeah. Yeah, but Sass, here's the thing. Here here's another part of that. Here's another part of that. And this is advice for, for listeners who are aspiring performers. I always say that it's the type of interview that you give that you can be memorable or you could be forgettable, meaning like, oh, that person really didn't move the move the needle for me. You know, I don't remember who was on episode such and such. And if you give a good enough interview and you leave a good impression with the host, they're going to remember you. So as much as it is part of my mind, I am one of those people that speaks in movie lines all the time. But, you know, you have a good experience with someone like Glenn Schubert or you admire the work that Instruments of Change is doing. And you say, I'm going to remember that it was episode 138 for Pete's sake. (laughs) Well, I'm hugely impressed. (laughs) Even if it's... I'll tell you right now, I would instantly forget that. <laughs> <laughs> and I spent weeks going, what the hell was that number? I can't find it anywhere. Where is it? <laughs> well, I wish you were one week ago because you'd always remember that you were episode 222, but it's 223, so I don't know that you'll remember that. Oh, I will remember that because 23 is my birthday and I'll remember 223. So of what yeah, month? Of what month? Uh, December. December? December. Yeah, December 23rd. Two days Me, before Eddie Christmas. Bradford. How about that? Yeah, kind of Did you get ripped off come birthday time in terms of gifts? Well, yeah, I wouldn't say ripped off. But I'd say, <laughs> what happens? You know what's the worst birthday? January the 1st or the 2nd. That would suck. Or December 26th. Yuck! <laughs> <laughs> Too burnt out. Too burnt out. Here's a card. <laughs> Well, Sass, we're going to close today with another song from your Racine reissue album, a tune called Make You a Believer. Before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. Uh, I thought that was the one that we started with. Make You a Believer? Yeah. Yeah. No, we started with You Don't Have to Remind Me. I am so sorry. 
Well, you clearly have to remind me what we started with because I thought it was making believe. <laughs> well, the nice so, thing is that so I can do I, some post on this and, and I can edit out what you're saying right now so that it sounds like you oh, responded perfectly when I said, tell the listeners about this song, please make you a believer. Although I kind of like, I like the mistake better. Because like, like Dave Gold said to me when we were doing, we when, when I guessed with the Foo Fighters, he, and I went, but, but Dave, okay, I'm going to sing this song. I said, but I might F it up. <laughs> and he goes, well, there. I'm leaving it all in. I'm leaving it all in, including the part where I said I can do post on this. So, listeners, this is a first. This is an absolute first. It took 223 episodes, but you actually heard a little. When I was talking about the phrasing, the Southern phrasing, I was talking about make you believe it. The song make you believe it. Not you don't have to remind me. So I'm all confused. Uh oh. So yeah, so the southern phrasing is on this song, Make You a Believer, not on You Don't Have to Remind Me. So just so we're clear on that, kids, we're all good. All right. Well, then, well, then, then we'll, we'll close by having you set the record straight about You Don't Have to Remind Me. Okay, so You Don't Have to Remind Me. That, I wrote that with Stevie Solace uh, in, in his, at his house. Overlooking the 101 freeway in Universal City, California. Yep, that's and I was sitting on the stoop, looking across the freeway at the Universal Building. Jeez, I forgot about all this. <laughs> <laughs> and, but to be, I, I, I don't actually remember why I wrote that lyric. It was just a, a, a you know vibe or something that was going on in my head at that time because every Every song is a little, is like a little mini film in my head, always, you know? So that yeah. would have been, but I, I just remember, and the, and it was right next to the little, what we used to call the bomb shelter. It was like a little, or like an aluminum or metal shed that we used to rehearse in, which is where we actually, that's where we um, auditioned Taylor Hawkins. Uh, who was a drummer wow. in Foo Fighters. Yeah. The very first band he was ever in was my band back in the 90s. Yeah. Wow. So, wild life. I like baby. that you said it's a it's a movie because on episode 56 of this show, Dominic Pages said that he always considers songs to be a four-minute movie for the blind. Oh, I love that. Isn't yeah. that cool? <laughs> it's fantastic. Sass, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. This has really been very enjoyable and uh, one that will definitely go down in the NHTE archive. So thank you ever so much for your time today. My pleasure. I've had a blast. And hi to everybody, especially the guy in Guam. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of NHTE. My sincere thanks to my guest, singer-songwriter Sass Jordan. Do be sure to visit her official website. It's sassjordan.com. And then engage with her on social media. So that means I'm I'm wagging my finger at you. Like her Facebook page, listeners. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) Subscribe to her YouTube channel and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell her you heard her and her music. I now hear this entertainment. Remember that her music is streaming on Spotify, but do purchase Sass's music from online retailers or through her website. Again, her upcoming live dates are July 1st in British Columbia, July 6th at the festival we talked about in Thunder Bay, Ontario, August 11th in Newfoundland, and the next night in Kitchener, Ontario. 
Get more information about those at sasjordan.com. Obviously, others that will be added as well. While you are active with your phone, tablet, or computer, go over and join the Facebook group for our show. Either go on Facebook and search for NHTE listeners or just head to our website, nhte.net, and click the Join Our Facebook Group button. And then come on in and talk there with me and a couple past guests, other listeners, music fans, and so on. Thank you ever so much for listening. Let me set the record straight here. You just heard Sass talk about You Don't Have to Remind Me, which is the song that we played at the beginning. But now we are going to play Make You a Believer. I'm in.